Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number seven, coming at you on Wednesday, March 24th. Today, we are going to dive into another free agency uh, edition, call it maybe the second wave of free agency. A lot of big names and a lot of things uh, that happened over the last week since we last spoke with you. Uh, before we get into the show, remember to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. If you like our content, go over there, check us out, sign up, putting out so much great content uh, this offseason, including the NFL dashboard that we discussed uh, a few weeks back. But there's so much more to go check out there. Um, and I am your host, Chad Workman. We are joined by Andrew Woodruff and Sam Ehrman today. No Matt Nine, but let's get into it. All right, guys, let's start things off with the New York football giants. Uh, They signed Kenny Galladay. Just curious what you guys think. What does this do for Kenny Galladay's value? Does it improve his stock? Does it lower it? And what about Daniel Jones and really just this offense as a whole? All right, I will start. And with Daniel Jones, um, he's a prospect I'm still excited about. Like, I know he's not had a good situation. Like, I mean, oh, he has Saquon. Yeah, well, you know, that, that doesn't do a whole lot, especially when he misses the entire year. Um, I, I I like the Kenny G signing. I like the Kyle Rudolph signing and John Ross signing. I know those guys are not fantasy superstars, but when healthy John Ross is a solid player, um, Kyle Rudolph will bring a lot to the team off the field, you know, teach you guys kind of tell, you know, show Daniel Jones, you know, the ropes and how he can improve his, you know, reading this and throwing a Y option and all this other stuff. Um, I like it for Daniel Jones, probably more than I like it for Kenny G. I like it for Daniel Jones because he has the rushing floor. Like he's got a very safe rushing floor. People want to make fun of him. You know, Daniel Jones is a big meme, but the reality is his big meme was on an 80 yard touchdown or not a touchdown. He fumbled or man, I'm stumbling an 80 yard run where he was the fastest player in the NFL last year. Um, So for Daniel Jones, I don't know what I think his ceiling is. I know that's not a good answer, but I think his floor is Jared Goff next year with a rushing ability. Um, a reliable QB2 with weeks where he can be a QB1. Um, I still like him as a prospect um, a lot, and I've seen a lot of flashes, a lot of potential. Um, as for Kenny G, I know you didn't necessarily ask, but he d- goes hand-in-hand hand with this. I think he'll be a safe wide receiver, too, with wide receiver one upside. Um, the Giants offense strikes me as an offense where it's spread the ball around to the open guy, but they're going to make an attempt to get the ball in Kenny G's hands. I mean, he's a good football player outside of Kenny G and Saquon Barkley. There's nobody else on that team. I want for fantasy per, per personally. Um, and I say that because they went out and got John Ross. They have Sterling Shepard. They have Darius Slayton and, it's weird because there's just a weird group on Twitter that think, you know, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are these fantastic football players. They're okay. 
Um, the reality is they'll probably rotate with personnel and packages. So it'll probably be a nightmare for them. And we still expect the offense to funnel through Saquon. So the reality is I think Kenny G is really nice. Wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. And I think for Daniel Jones, if he's the guy, he proves it this year because he has to. Like he doesn't have a choice. If Kenny G comes out and he's flat, or not Kenny G, if Daniel Jones comes out and he's flat and he's just horrid and he doesn't improve, you whiffed. It's time to move on. But he showed the potential. He's shown the upside, and he has the obvious athletic ability. Um, so giving him an alpha superstar wide receiver and then a bunch of complementary pieces alongside Saquon really makes him a viable QB two with QB one upside. And you never know, like he could have that third year, Josh Allen type jump where it's like, he comes out complete 65% passes, those for 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns. And it's like, Oh, okay. He's a QB one where you got him, you know, like right now, according to fantasy football calculators, so take that for what it's worth. Daniel Jones is the QB 27 off the board. His floor is higher than that. So, I'm not sure if I even trust that ADP because if he's going that late in drafts, it doesn't matter what you're getting for him or where you're drafting him. That's an automatic win because he's a starting football player or starting quarterback football player for the New York football giants. So I love the signings. I love where Daniel Jones, and the giants are heading. And if he proves it this year, you know, good for him. If not, they'll move on. But I'm still really excited about it for both of those guys. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Giants and everybody in that field. All right. So, yeah, I just I had to double check that real quick. Uh, Sam, you're not super far off. Uh, the the draft I just did, Daniel Jones was win at quarterback 20 overall. So, like, he's right there, I would say, right around what his probably floor is. If we see anywhere close – to any kind of upward progression because he was quarterback 25, quarterback 24 the past two years, and that was without a legit weapon. So when it comes to legit weapons, Kenny G is definitely the guy. Like, I think he's someone that you can get pretty, pretty good value. He's going to be a solid receiver, too, for most teams coming in, but he's easily going to be the guy who gets most of the targets for the Giants moving forward. I think – the dude is just an all-around athlete. He fits what Daniel Jones is probably going to be looking for. That's just a big guy that he can throw it up when there's situations needed and trust that someone's going to get it done. Um, I don't know if I would put Kenny G in the type of receiver one output unless we see Daniel Jones just take a massive leap in, like, touchdowns because looking at the last two seasons that we saw from Galladay, it went anywhere from back-end receiver one with 11 touchdowns to a – Later, kind of mid receiver two when he only had three the year before that. So it's, it's all going to be connected, of course, back to his quarterback. But I think he's a really safe receiver, probably around the 15 to 18 range moving forward. Um, but I'll say outside that, like Daniel Jones, I think I think he's going to have a really, really fantastic jump this year because he's going from Kenny Galladay to now he's also got his underneath weapon. Personally, I think Sterling Shepard is still going to be useful as that underneath slot kind of guy working in the middle of the field, crossing routes, things like that with Evan Ingram. And then let Slayton and Ross be the other receiver three, fight it out for different reps moving forward. So if you're looking for Daniel Jones, he's probably going to be somebody you want to wait till getting close to that draft, get that rookie fever hype going, 
try and trade a mid-second, early second, possibly, depending on what your quarterback needs are, because he's going to be someone with that solid QB2 upside. And we know rookie picks, most of them don't end up working out. It's about a 50-50 just for the first round. So if you can get a second rounder where the odds even drop lower, I think it's a very solid value. Yeah, I just want to point out, Andrew, that you skipped a year. Galladay had three touchdowns his rookie year, but he had five the year before um, his, his major season of 11. So, But still, like, there's a big, big gap in there, but he's – He's cracked the thousand yard threshold twice. And I think people forget that his last full season, he was at just under 12, 1200 yards. And then those 11 TV TDs that you mentioned. So super productive. Um, I do wonder, you know, you mentioned the fit with Daniel Jones and I think, I think he is a good target for Jones just because he's a guy that you can throw it up to. And he's a good contested catch guy. Stafford was one of those guys that was just not afraid to throw the ball into tight windows and he had the arm strength to do it. So I am curious and Jones has a strong arm, but um, I am curious to see how he, uh, I guess, integrates Galladay and if he's has the ability and willingness to throw the ball into a lot of tight situations and let Galladay go get it. But I do tend to agree. I think he's, uh fairly safe wide receiver too i mean we've seen his production before and and he's like i said he's he's super good in contested catch situations so and he's a real threat um in the end zone but this year will be very telling for daniel jones i i don't know if i believe in him quite as much um as you do sam or or maybe even as you do andrew but this will be very telling because they're they they brought in you know, the weapons to, to give him every opportunity to succeed. And I also want to point out that I might be the last person on planet earth that still has some belief in Evan Ingram because uh, he, I just think that dude is really good. And I think he could benefit a lot if he can stay healthy. I mean, he played 14 or he played or catch the football, or catch the football but I think he could, <laughs> <laughs> he is so athletic. I think he could really benefit uh, from somebody like Galladay. I don't. Do you guys have any interest in Daniel Jones this, or I mean, excuse me, in Evan Ingram this year? No, uh, no. not really. Unless his ADP gets about like tight end fourteen through eighteen range, which I mean, it just it depends on the league you're in. Like right now, he hasn't gone. We've had ten tight ends go so like he's starting to get close to that range I might get him as a backup but I just I got a lot of concerns with him and plus they brought in Kyle Rudolph Rudolph's going to play some of the snaps maybe maybe yeah depending on this this foot surgery thing and stuff so here here, let me ask you this okay um Daniel Jones in 2021 or if Drew Luck is the starter in 2021 for Denver I would take – I would say Drew Locke, you can call me a Broncos homer, but I would take him – a big reason why is because the weapons that they have – I mean, adding Galladay is big, but I would still take, uh, you know, all the weapons that they have in Denver more so than the skill positions uh, or the pass catchers at least with the, with the Giants. And I think Locke showed – I mean, down the stretch, his completion percentage went up. He threw a lot less interceptions, and he was – he had a knack for kind of making a few deep throws when they were there. So I would lean lock, but they're, they're probably close in the same ballpark. 
See, that's exactly where I'm at. I personally, I, I, I know Daniel Jones is the better athlete, and I know his job is secure. But there's just something with Drew Locke that I just can't quit. Like he just, there's something about his talent. There's something about his arm ability. There's something about the way he plays and carries himself that I just want to hit. I just want him to be a star. Yeah, and I think with Locke, one thing is his highlight reel is as good as nearly anybody's like his highlight reel is great it's his you know everything else that that you question and so he's he's got to be a little more consistent and stuff but he's shown that he can make every his arm talent is really good and he doesn't lack confidence that's for sure i mean give you perspective he went quarterback 21 to my team in the same draft where jones went 20 so like yeah they're right there neck and neck but when it comes to the talent around it i trust fant sutton and judy to be able to be a better trio than what the Giants currently offer. Now, if the Giants go end up getting Devontae Smith like the rumors is going on, then that gets to be a really, really deep conversation and probably would swap back to Jones just for the higher rushing. Uh, I don't know about that. And the reason I say I don't know about that is because if they go in this season again with the same horrible offensive line that they had last year in New York, it doesn't matter who's on. Like, ask Andrew Luck. It doesn't matter who you're throwing to if you don't have time to throw the football to him. Uh, so for me, I if Drew Locke is the starter, I would go with Drew Locke. But he right now he's a question mark. There's a chance he gets replaced. There's a chance he doesn't. They've openly said they want to bring in competition, but they've talked about how well he's doing this off season and the work he's putting in. And and you can see, you know, Chad, you talked about like the, the the numbers improving. But if you watch his tape from like the beginning of the year towards the end of the years, there was reads he was making at the late the week 17 that he wasn't making you know early in the season so he progressed quite a bit so the question is does he get that opportunity he's only played 17 games it seems like so much more so i'm excited but i'm also nervous because he's somebody i want to hit but he's not a guarantee yeah he's he's far from a guarantee and i would expect the broncos will either They'll they'll probably still out a veteran, whether it's through trade like a Gardner Minshew or, you know, if Sam Darnold floats out there like I could see them bringing in a high upside guy or, you know, it, I don't know if you can call Minshew a high upside guy, but a guy that has like starting, you know, potential to push him a little bit, but not necessarily take that job away from him. And, you know, George Payton, their GM, has said that a quarterback is in play at nine, but. It's going to be Locke's, you know, his job to lose, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think if, if they don't take a quarterback at nine, someone I could see them taking would be Kellen Mond later yeah. in the draft and say, okay, Drew, you're our guy, but we got this kid who's just stupid raw. Let's see if he hits. And if you don't hit, he will, you know, or one of the others. So, I mean, like that's a, that's a potential option, but – I don't know either. I mean, like somebody with the potential and the raw ability or for the longest time, I thought it was going to be someone like Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton's now a starter. So, um, I mean, like you look around the league and there's not a whole bunch of veteran quarterbacks floating around there. Yeah. They kind of missed the wave of free agency. A few names I've heard tossed around locally are Nick Foles, which barf, but they would have to trade for him and he wouldn't really be, a threat to the job unless Locke collapsed. And then 
Minshew's the other one that I think they have some interest in. And then if, if Sam Darnold became available, he's another if one. If Sam Darnold goes to the Denver Broncos, Drew Locke's never seeing the field again. Like there's a there's a there's a talent gap between Sam Darnold and Drew Locke. Um, but I'm pretty I I say this today, but as of today, and then even Corey Davis came out today and confirmed what I was just expecting. I expect Sam Darnold to start for the Jets in 2021. Um, I've said for the longest time they should trade back and get a shit ton of draft capital and fix the problem. But I don't know. But I would be shocked if Sam Darnold is on the Broncos. And I'll just leave it at that, I guess. Yeah, I think he definitely deserves another chance in New York because he was not given a fair shake thus far. And he has – Tons and tons of talent. So, but I think you're right in terms of like a Kellen Mond or something like that. We could definitely see that where Locke still gets an opportunity, but they have another developmental guy, but they probably need a veteran as well if they go that route. But um, this is not a show about the Denver Broncos, unfortunately. So let's pivot to the Miami Dolphins who made a splash. Get it. Uh, They signed Will Uh, Fuller uh, to, (laughs) they signed Will Fuller uh, to compliment Devontae Parker and Preston Williams there. They may still add a wide receiver in the draft. I don't know. Will Fuller did just get a one-year deal, but how do we feel about Fuller going into the season and the effect that it has on this offense? Uh, personally, not great. Like, I think he'll be great for the offense, but for fantasy reasons, I'm not really that excited about Will Fuller to the Dolphins. Uh, I have a feeling the receiver one might not be yet on the team. I think they are going to target a high upside rookie and hope that guy can develop. And Fuller is going to be left to fight it out with Parker as a receiver too. Now I know Preston Williams is another name. Some people are very hopeful for, for either personal reasons, going back to the rookie year, they're just all for him with the fantasy hype, hoping he would be something, or maybe just a Dolphins fan who thinks he has elite upside. But I think it's just kind of more Preston Williams insurance because the dude's super talented, but it's two years now we've seen some major injuries. We've seen the track record when it comes to undrafted uh, receivers and they go through these major injuries. What is their chances coming back forward? I mean, our very own writers have been able to sit down and break this down for us to kind of show us that record. So I think Fuller's going to be helpful for Tua to make that next step because I think Tua's their guy. But for fantasy reasons, I've kind of already used the hype to finish selling them off and get out of that condition. I kind of agree with Andrew. I think Will Fuller's a better player. And my concern is Tua. And I still think Tua's the guy. But I don't think Tua has the intuition to be aggressive. I think he's very passive. I think he plays very passive. And for Will Fuller to be successful, he needs Tua to be aggressive. And the Tua that I saw last year, I mean, granted, it was rookie year coming off hip injury with no offseason and stuff. Played scared, played very passive. I have concerns that he'll be aggressive. He doesn't. He didn't look like he anticipated things very well. And with Will Fuller, you need to be anticipating a lot, and you need to be aggressive. Um, I think they want to run the rock. I think Will Fuller will be a wide receiver too. And he'll obviously have those wide receiver one weeks where he blows up and has those huge weeks. But I'm not in love with this signing. Um I I don't know. I mean, he took a rather large fantasy hit when he left Deshaun Watson. I mean, unless Deshaun ends up in Miami. Um, 
but that's another conversation for another day because Deshaun right now is in a different can of worms. Um, I, I'm more excited for real life purposes like Andrew, but I'm kind of it was kind of disappointing where when he went to Miami, it was like, oh, like you went to Miami, like why didn't you go to you know Kansas City? Like he could have went to Kansas City. Um. I I don't know. I think he'll be a wide receiver too. Um, wide receiver one upside. Nothing I'm excited about. Kind of disappointed overall. Um, so it, it sucks because I love Will Fuller. I, I you know I've been playing Xbox with him since 2016. Um, but the reality is, for fantasy purposes, it's a big womp womp womp. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of what you guys said, except I'm not even sure he's a wide receiver too. I probably have more of him as a wide receiver three, especially when you bake in his injury concerns and missing the first game of the season already for suspension. Uh, I just, I don't think he's a great fit in the offense. Um, but Andrew, I just want to add to your list of guys that still want Preston Williams to be a thing. And that's Colorado state alums like myself. Um, I did see a report maybe like a week ago that the dolphins were still, all in on Preston Williams. I don't know how legit that is or not. Like I said, I still think there's a pretty good chance they draft a wide receiver, but I could see, I still am interested in holding Preston Williams in dynasty because I think he eventually passes up Devonte Parker, Will Fuller, just on a one-year deal. You know, even if they draft somebody, I could very well see it being that, drafted player and Preston Williams being the guys going into next season. So I think Will Fuller's stint with the Dolphins is probably going to be short, but uh, for this upcoming season, I really don't like him much more than a wide receiver three, but what about what, what is Tua's value then? Because he has the weapons now. I think he, he appeared to kind of favor that hip last year. I think it did affect him more than people maybe realize. And, I think he's an interesting buy in dynasty because, you know, he was a, a elite prospect that people kind of forgotten about. And I don't know what his current ADP is, but I think, I mean, I, I think he's definitely a buy, but I don't know what his upside is. Um, I, you have a team that's obviously committed to running the football. You have a quarterback who's very passive. He's, he doesn't run. I mean, what is like, what is his upside? Like, that's the question I've, con- I've just continuously asked myself, is he doesn't run. He's very passive. His team wants to run the football and play good defense. Like what in the in a real sense is Tua Tungavaloa's fantasy upside? And I don't know. I don't think it's very good. I like maybe QB 15. I mean like it I I don't know. Like when we're talking fantasy, I think Tua and everybody in Miami will be a better football team than fantasy asset. I I think Tua is still a franchise quarterback, but I mean, like Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback and people hate Kirk Cousins for fantasy, but Kirk Cousins produces, but he, you know, so I don't know. I mean, like, well, would you rather I, so we just talked about, let's throw him in the conversation with Drew Locke and, and Daniel Jones. Then hey, are we, are we still taking Tua with between that group? Probably not. And the reason I say that is Tua's cost and like where you have to draft him will be much higher and like Drew Locke or Daniel Jones upside is if it's not higher then it's the exact same for a cheaper cost. And I'm all about cost versus value versus upside. So 
I would probably go with, you know, one of those two guys because, you know, right now, like you're still paying a lot for two if you want him, but I just don't know what his upside is. Like those, like I have legitimate concerns about his fantasy upside. Not, like I think he'll be a franchise quarterback and people want to compare him to Drew Brees, but that's not fair. Drew Brees sat there and through how many 5,000 yard seasons, you know, I mean, like you're talking about a guy who leads the NFL and like completions, passing yards, completion percentage all time. Like you can't compare somebody to Drew Brees and not get flack for it. So I, I don't know what to do with Tua's upside. I mean, I think he's a safe QB too, but is he ever going to be sexy? Sexy? I mean, yeah, sure, he'll have good weeks, but I think at the end of the season and the point to- points totals come in, I think he'll be a QB too. I mean, I have those concerns, and that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, I mean, it kind of really depends on how the Dolphins approach this draft. Like, what weapons are you willing to put around them? Plus, what protection are you going to get for them? Which is why I'm really hoping they would go Sewell at three to kind of help them out. Um, Chad, I think you got a really good point. I mean, I think he was playing kind of kind of worried about through his injury through his rookie year, just still trying to get used to that. He's looking pretty healthy based off the videos, Some seeing some of the running. Um, but, Sam, you bring up a very good point. His ADP in this particular draft was QB 16, whereas you can wait three extra rounds, get some more talent, and then go for Daniel Jones or Drew Locke or QB 20 or QB 21. So, for me, like, he's going to be that super flex guy. If you want a decent super flex option but while staying kind of young, I think he's your guy, and then you go back late and try and grab, like, a Matt Ryan type. Maybe even the Tom Brady, like as your QB three, that you can start rotating weeks in. Um, I have a feeling that the team's going to be very play action heavy. So depending on what weapons they put around him, it's going to be about how well can he take that shot and just make the big plays off of play action. But again, that's assuming and waiting to see what they do in the draft, what weapons they put around him. Yeah, certainly it will be helpful if they add another weapon in the draft, but. He's, I don't know. He's an interesting QB two to me, I'll say, but I don't, you know, I'm not expecting a breakout from him or, or anything, not a huge season, but just wanted to bring him up. Uh, let's travel to Detroit where they brought in, they, well, they, they signed a few players. Jamal Williams was uh, the running back and the one that got the most attention, but they did add Tyrell Williams and Rashad Perriman. Um, I guess mainly I want to talk about Jamal Williams and his effect on DeAndre Swift and kind of their value. Uh, but I'm interested in your thoughts on the wide receiver room as well. Sam, what do you, what do you think about what the Lions are doing? Um, I think Jamal Williams is a good football player. Um, I also think Alexander Madison is a good football player. I also think, you know, Tony Pollard's a good football player. Um, I also think, you know, Giovanni Bernard's a good football player. You see where I'm going with this? I do. I do. I think, you know, you can, I think you can have a good viable backup running back, but it doesn't have to affect, you know, your running backs upside. I mean, if you were going into the season thinking DeAndre Swift was the only running back on the team, well, you're, you're stupid. I mean, like you live in a pipe dream. Like that's not reality. They bring in a good, um, backup running back, um, I think he'll get some work. I think, you know, he'll rotate in, but DeAndre Swift's the guy. He'll be the workhorse, you know, they'll run him into the ground. He'll catch the passes, you know, and people out there, oh, well, you know, Jamal Williams is their 
Latavius Murray and DeAndre Swift or Alvin Kamara. Dude, stop. You don't, it's clear you don't know what you're talking about. Um, like Dan Campbell is not going to just come up there and mimic Sean Payton and say, oh, let's go, because he's not stupid. Um, Dan Campbell has openly said he wants to put his players in the best situation to succeed and, you know, do what's best for them and what their skill set is. So, you know, Dan Campbell's not going to be copying Sean Payton. So I think, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, they've openly said, you know, give him 25 touches a game. Um, he can catch the pass. He can run the rock. I think DeAndre Swift is just fine. Could not agree more to that statement. DeAndre Swift was RB8 before the signing. He's still RB8 after. Jamal Williams is one of those guys like you're hoping maybe your deeper 14, 16 team leagues that he might crack like RB25 for me. Uh, he's just a guy. He's going to be, he's going to have a role. He's going to be able to take some of the, a little bit of the passing work. But I mean, Swift is the superior weapon there. I think he's a better goal line back for him. And plus, who did else did they have in their room before this signing? Like it was Carrion Johnson. And then I really can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. So the signing makes sense to just kind of give Swift a decent backup to help support him. But Jamal Williams isn't doing anything for me in fantasy. And then, Chad, you mentioned those receivers. Man, it kills me as a Patriots fan. But, I mean, I think the Lions and Patriots are just trying to see who can get the worst receiver room possible and still do something. The only difference is the Patriots have two good tight ends and the Lions have one. So we'll see what happens there. But Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, if you have them, I hope you already sold them off the news because – Unless you're in like a 16-team, 20-team league, I just don't see a role where they ever want to start your – hit your starting lineup, especially with how receivers, how deep they are and how we've talked about that before in this podcast itself. Yeah, I think uh, those wide receiver names are less than interesting. Uh, this offense is, is kind of gross, which is unfortunate. I do still like Swift. I think you guys – pretty much at the nail on the head for me regarding Jamal Williams. He's really just a guy. And I'm glad Sam, that you addressed the Alvin Kamara Latavius Murray comp. Cause I've heard that thrown around a lot and it's, it's, it's not, that's not what's going to happen in Detroit. It's not the same offense, uh, but DeAndre Swift is very good at football. Jamal Williams is just a guy. So again, this does not, affect my rankings at all i think um in terms of the receivers like i said pretty pretty gross overall but uh in terms of dynasty i think i've mentioned quintez cephas before he's interesting a second year guy that was i think he was a fifth round pick he was pretty productive at wisconsin and um showed flashes his rookie year and i think he's a guy that could see a big opportunity this year and i think you know, if, if there's anybody I'm eyeing in Dynasty, at least he's a, he's a nice kind of deep stash guy. Not a guy you're going to come in and rely on, you know, next year to be a wide receiver two or anything. But I think he's interesting at the least. Uh, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman, their careers are kind of on life support. And this team is they'll probably end up drafting a wide receiver. But I can't imagine they do early just because this team needs a lot of work. And I don't know yeah, if they can I afford to take a wide receiver early in this draft. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think their best wide receiver is not on the team. And if they go into the season with Prashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, and um, Quintus Cephas alongside TJ Hawkinson, um, Jared Goff's fucked. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah. like I I don't mean to get that gruesome, but he's the he'll he'll be run out of town so fast. I mean, like it'll be very similar to Cam Newton last year. So I think they draft somebody. You know, hopefully they bring in like a Jalen Waddle or someone. I don't I don't know. I mean, they have to draft somebody viable. Um, and you. And I didn't even talk about the wide receivers in the first half of my segment here because I kind of forgot because that's how relevant they are. Like, I mean, like there is nobody that catches footballs in Detroit, not named TJ Hawkinson, that I'm like, yeah, let me go get him. You know, like in my home main dynasty league, I picked up Prashad Perriman on waivers a few months ago. And I, as soon as he got traded or signed, I traded him away for 22 fourth round pick. Um, I was trying to get third, but he wouldn't do it. But you know what? It was a profit, and I knew looking at my team and looking at my draft picks, Prashad Perriman was a dead man walking. Um, and I don't think – I think Prashad Perriman's an okay player. Um, but, you know, you can't have five just the guys on the field at once. So, I – you know, they better bring somebody in because Jared Goff's in a situation. I mean, like Jared Goff's in, in, in a position where he's about to react check. Um I mean, not only does he not play good in cold weather, um, he's going from Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, you know, prime Todd Gurley to Brajad Perriman, Tyrell Williams. Like, in Detroit, you know, like Jared Goff in December in Chicago with those weapons, that is going to be a train wreck. So they better bring somebody in. And if you're a Lions fan, I like Dan Campbell. I like the moves they're making, but they got to get themselves a, a viable weapon because the one they just had walked out the door. Yeah, I completely agree. They have, they pick at seventh overall, which again, I don't think they can afford to take a wide receiver that high with just the overall roster. They, I mean, they need a lot of help, but they pick 41st overall in the second round and they do have two third rounds. So I would suspect they'll grab a receiver somewhere uh, kind of in that range to, to come in and pitch in. But again, Cephas is just a guy I'm keeping an eye on the other ones, not so much, uh, but this offense just isn't, doesn't get me excited this year. So um, with that being said, let's uh, go to another offense that is very confusing right now with the Las Vegas Raiders I'm not sure what their plan is or if they have one. I always liked what Mike Mayock had to say on TV, but I don't I don't know what he, him and John Gruden are up to in Las Vegas. So they added Kenyon Drake and John Brown to me, and they paid Kenyon Drake. Uh, I'd have to double check what it was, but he wasn't paid like a backup running back. I mean, he's thirteen million dollars guaranteed, I believe. There you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's more than. I would have ever expected them to pay a running back. And and I guess I don't, I don't really know what their plan is for him. And then John Brown, I mean, he seems kind of like what you hoped Henry Ruggs would be. So I'm just a little confused by these moves. I don't know. What do you, what do you make of them, Sam? What do you think of what the Raiders are doing? Well, you have to acknowledge that. I mean, I know he didn't play last year, but Tyrell Williams is gone. Nelson Aguilar is gone. And Nelson Aguilar had a role. I think they brought in Nelson Aguilar to – or John Brown to play that Nelson Aguilar role. Um, so – and they re-signed Zay Jones. Um, you know, you've got Brian Edwards in year two. You've got Henry Ruggs in year two. One of those two rookies 
is going to break out. I mean, it, one of them is going to be a stud. Um, I really want it to be Brian Edwards, but, you know, I mean, I, he, he's more of the possession type wide receiver and he looked good in flashes, but I don't know. Um, I, their passing game, I think, will be just fine. I think they just added John Brown to replace Nelson Aguilar, and they couldn't really give two craps about Tyrell. So their passing game, I'm not overly worried about. You know, I mean, like they lost two, added one, addition by, addition by subtraction, really. Um, but the 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 running backs, man, whew, what a landmine! I mean, Kenyon Drake just said, "Screw you, fantasy players! I'm taking you down with me." I mean, he was a huge bust last year in Arizona. And he said, you know what? I'll do it again. And he crucified Josh Jacobs' fantasy glory within one strike of the pen. I mean, like, seriously, like, what a prick. I mean, really, like, Josh Jacobs was an RB1. He finished as an RB8 last year. He caught, like, 40 footballs. He had another 1,000-plus yard rushing season. He was a viable RB1, RB2 prices. And Kenyon Drake comes in and just butchers it, like, what a dick. I mean, really, like, that is so frustrating. Like, the overall fantasy community, like, free agency was very boring. And then you have this guy, like, just go, you know, like, why don't you go to, like, the Patriots where nobody cares who the running back is and just, you know, ruin that guy? Um, because if you own Josh Jacobs in any league, I am sorry. Like, I really am. I don't – I'm sorry. I, nobody saw this coming. Um, Kenyon Drake will be, you know, that third down running back and he's going to, he's going to be really annoying. They paid him a lot of money to come in and they said, yeah, he's a pass catching running back. So I'll tell you what's going to happen is first down, second down, you'll get some Josh Jacobs third down. They'll throw the ball to Kenyon Drake. He'll convert. He'll stay on the field, a few reps, and then they'll rotate in. Like that's going to be a committee. I mean, I, I want to say trust the talent of Josh Jacobs, but John Gruden and Mike Mayock just go for character and they play the guys with good character and who work hard. Unfortunately, Kenny Drake has a good track record of being a hard worker. He's just not very good, but he's going to be on the field. I, I think the Raiders, I understand what they're trying to do. I understand they're trying to, you know, bring in character and high quality guys who work hard, but, at some point, dude, you got to draft talent. You got to pick up talent because they have repeatedly just picked up just guys, man. You know, I mean, like, arguably their best draft pick, they just crucified, you know, to the fantasy gods. Um, you know, you have Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, you know, two good draft picks. But outside of that, man, like, they draft, like, they draft hardworking guys like Cleveland Farrell. Nothing wrong with the guy. He was a first-round pick, but he wasn't like top five where they drafted him. But they drafted him that high because he works hard. He's a team leader. You know, he's a good dude. You have to have those kind of guys in the locker room. But it does not matter what kind of guy you have in the locker room if you're not winning. And you need talent to win. So, I, man, I think – you see it every year with John Gruden. They come out, they're you know, they're five and two, six and one, and then they finish the year eight and eight, seven and nine, because their teams fall apart because they don't have the talent and guys get frustrated. So uh, I mean, I'll go out on a limb here and say, could we next year be looking at a coaching change in Las Vegas if things don't work out? 
because I know that they signed him to a 10-year, $100 million contract, but I don't care. They're not winning. They brought him in to win. He's bringing in tough, gritty guys, but they're not very good at football. In the NFL, you need talent. You need good football players. I don't give a crap if you're a prick. You know, if you're a good football player and you show up to work every day, you can be as big of a douche as you want as long as you do your job and you play well and you're a teammate. So, man, I, I, I mean, I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant right here, but it is so frustrating to see teams go after quality guys instead of quality talent. And Kenyon Drake is the perfect Las Vegas Raider, but unfortunately for fantasy – he he didn't only throw the hand grenade, he jumped on it with Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, you're not really that far off on that part. Uh, when it came to Drake, I've seen, like, I only had one share, and the second that news broke, everybody has lowered their value, and they started trying to just shoot me, like, mid-second offers for the guy. Like, he's not movable at this point because you're going to get low-balled if you try and move him. Nobody's really wanting to pay up to what it is, but – I'm kind of hoping that the Drake signing is more of a chip on the shoulder for Jacobs. It gives him a chance to come in and prove it. I'm hoping the dude can give you some decent, like higher mid RB2 finishes by the end of the season, but it's going to bank on a lot of touchdowns because that passing work is just not going to be there. I think they re-signed um, Jalen uh, Richard, and now you've got Drake, who's also going to be able to catch passes out of the backfield as well. So I just don't see – where he's going to hopefully get 50, 50 plus targets, even in a 17 game schedule, which unfortunately that, I mean, that's what he was doing this past year. He was finally getting that pass volume needed to help him push up to an RB eight along with a touchdown work. So for him to retain value, you've got to hope the Raiders can stay and be able to be a productive offense through the entire season, not just flash once or twice, have a good couple quick games and then be done. But, man, you got to hope that Jacobs and that offense continues to push all year. As far as the John Brown role, I think you're right. Now, however, you did forget a receiver, Sam, that, you know, everybody's got to love Hunter Renfro. You know, that dude is just, again, that hardworking type guy that's just not probably going to help produce much any. But I have a feeling they'll rotate between Brown being on the outside with Ruggs, kind of help hopefully mentor him kind of teach him some of the things that he might be lacking as well and just help him stay healthy throughout the season. And then you'll have Renfro Edwards being the other kind of guys working around. But when it comes to the value, as far as overall on the team, if you're looking for Derek Carr for super flex, that makes sense. If you're looking for Darren Waller, you just want to win because that dude is a stud tight end. But when it comes to Jacobs, uh, he's just he's a lottery ticket. I think most people have him around RB20 now at this point. But some people might still be willing to pay that back RB1 type price. I saw a guy in the draft take him in the third round. I don't know how he's feeling because that was before Drake got there. But he's one of those guys, if you got him, hold him. Don't undersell him unless you can get a running back upgrade. But outside of that, I'm just – I'm really confused what this team is doing as a whole. Yeah, Andrew, I also want to – you mentioned that they bringing back Jalen Richard and they also re-signed Theo Riddick, which oh, yeah. <laughs> is just so confusing, especially when they shuffled around and moved so many offensive linemen. I don't know why they're not prioritizing the offensive line, but they're prioritizing uh, 
pass catching running backs, especially when we have heard them say that Josh Jacobs can catch passes and that they're going to use him more in that fashion. And then they so, do things like this. So it's, it's really confusing. Let me interrupt you. Um, and this just crossed my mind. Could one of two of these things be possible? One, I mean, Josh Jacobs did have that DUI. Maybe they're getting ready to, you know, see what happens legally. And if he's guilty, they move on because they seem like a no, a, a no BS organization with Gruden. Or two, is it possible that with these signings, Josh Jacobs gets frustrated and requests a trade? I mean, but I think both are doubtful, but I think both probably should be discussed because they're in, they're in play. I mean, he's probably got to be frustrated. I mean, the dude's put up a thousand years, both years he's been in the NFL. He produces at a high level. He's a baller. And they just keep preventing him from getting the opportunity he was essentially given by being drafted in the first round. I just got to interrupt you again, or interrupt you back, I should say, because the, the DUI charges were dropped on Jacob. So that is, I mean, maybe, you know, Gruden and Mayrock right. still have some concerns about it, but officially he won't be charged with a DUI. So money talks, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know if he's in a position to necessarily request a trade, but I just don't, I just have so many questions about this offense. I, Darren Waller is the only one, like you mentioned, Andrew, that I don't really have questions about uh, just a bad offensive line and a running back that doesn't, isn't going to catch passes and Jacobs. I'm just not interested in him at all. Drake, not interested really the entire offense outside of, Darren Waller, I'm not interested. So with that being said, let's uh, let's do kind of a, a last lap here. I want to just go around and see if you guys have any last thoughts or mentions of any of the other moves that were made in free agency. Uh, Andrew, do you have any other players or moves you want to make mention of? Yeah, man. I'll say Juju going back to Pittsburgh, that is a blessing for people still trying to get uh, Chase Claypool. Like that, that lowered his value so much because everybody's like, oh, man, 2021. We thought he's going to get all his volume. Now he's not. The dude was already producing with Juju on the field. He's going to continue to be the guy. It's only a one-year contract, if I remember correctly, for Juju. So we could easily see a chance for him to come back and take that step in 2022. Or even, I know, Deontay Johnson starting to end the near of his rookie contract. So it could be where they're just setting it up and trying to figure out which guy best – pairs up with Claypool going forward. So he's one that I think you need to go ahead and take advantage of this dip real quick before he jumps back up in value. Reduce just a touchdown machine. Um, I think with, like, I'm going to just go through the list that we have here very, very quickly. Um, Juju, Pittsburgh, I think, you know, Deontay, I think reality Deontay will be the wide receiver one again in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, the volume, Ben's going to target him like crazy. You know, then you'll have Juju and Claypool as viable wide receiver twos. A.J. Green, Arizona. I don't think A.J. Green is as washed as Twitter thinks he is, but I don't think he makes a huge impact. But I think he's better than Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, out of those guys. So, I mean, you know, he'll probably be a wide receiver three, you know, in some decent weeks, um, especially playing outside of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, maybe 
you know, with AJ Green, he sat out for so long. Maybe it just took him that long to get back in the groove of things, and he didn't have a viable quarterback most of the season. So that's a signing I'm interested by. Emmanuel Sanders to Buffalo. It, it crucifies Gabriel Davis for 2021, um, but not long-term. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is still a fantastic football player, um, and they went and got him for a reason. So he'll make them that team better, but I don't think he'll have a, a huge fantasy impact, probably wide receiver three. Um, Texans sign Ingram and Lindsay. I really don't care. I'm staying away from that gold net um, landmine chargers with Jared cook. I'm staying away from that landmine Gerald Everett to Seattle. That's one I think is interesting. Um, I think that one's very interesting. Um, you have a super athletic tight end in Gerald Everett and a vocally disgruntled Russell Wilson and a new offensive coordinator who's coming from the Rams. So that's probably why he ended up in there was, hey, I just coached you out in Los Angeles. You know the scheme. You know how we're going to operate. Russell wants another weapon. Let's go. So that's where I am with all those guys. Like I, you know, I think Gerald Everett has the upside. Um, he's a very intriguing player i don't know what his adp is because it hasn't been long enough since he's been drafted or and signed but he has the upside he's a very intriguing prospect for 2021 but overall i mean fantasy free agency was very meh other than the raiders yeah, you kind of uh, stole my thunder on Gerald Everett. Um, I mentioned him as like one of my sleepers a little while back and somebody to go grab. And I think his value is definitely going up. So if you traded for him in the last few weeks, uh, good on you, which I grabbed him in a startup and a few other places already owned him. But I mean, former second round pick, he's he's never seen over 62 targets. And I think this year with Seattle, I mean – Russ Wilson trying to throw the ball more and lobbying to to uh, for the coaches to let him let him cook. I could see Everett kind of emerging as kind of the number three pass catching weapon in that offense, which would be uh, a fantastic role for him. And and I think he's just a guy I'm I'm really excited about uh, with his athleticism and everything. So. But you guys hit the nail on the head um, with everything else throughout the show. A lot of stuff happening with free agency. I think we covered uh, the bulk of it in these two these two episodes. So that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. Thank you for uh, being here with us again. Please head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts where we give you the in insider info you won't get anywhere else. <laughs>